So we are wrapping up this uh, series this morning as we have been spending our time in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and so um, next week we will be starting off a new message series and we're going to uh, starting off into the series that's going to take us through the rest of the summer. And so as we're starting off summer, this is kind of the last week of school this next week and, and things are kind of wrapping down even though it has not been expected or normal this year, but but yeah, we're starting to step into summer, and we know our summer is not going to look as normal either, but there's all these things. But as we step into that, we are going to be studying through the Gospel of John. We're going to go through the entire Gospel throughout the summer. And so yeah, we're we'll starting that journey next Sunday, and so we're going to go through it chapter by chapter. Uh, and so there's just a lot to be learned from the Gospel as we focus our hearts on, on the life of Jesus throughout the summer. Um, but today, as I said, we are finishing up this series called The Hall of Faith. As we saw from several weeks ago when we started it, that, that we started with the book of Hebrews and looked and understood how the book of Hebrews was written to a Christian audience. It was written to a church and not just, um, again, to one specific church with one specific problem, but it was, it was written more to, again, this general term, the Hebrews. It wasn't any one church, but yet it was written to a wider audience and was addressing a church that was in crisis. And we see, again, the, the answer that is given for us about whatever crisis we face through the book of Hebrews is that the, the answer is Jesus. Right? What, what, what the author tells us to do is to dive deeper into our faith, especially in times of crisis. And we've never necessarily had a more timely study as we have walked ourselves through the present crisis of our world, and, and yet the answer doesn't change, right? The answer is still to dive deeper into our faith. And as we have done that these last few weeks, we, again, we've studied a few different people that are given in the hall of faith and, and how their uh, faith was lived out even in whatever types of crisis they faced. But the climax of the book is Hebrews 11 and 12. And as we see, Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. And this, this chapter starts out with the biblical definition of faith, which is Hebrews, in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things we cannot see. And yet we see this biblical definition of faith, and then, and then the author goes into a deeper um, study on what does that definition really look like and how does that definition play out in, in different people's lives as they have walked with Christ through these different seasons of their lives and of their stories. And we, we see just like in, in any kind of hall of fame that, that we, we see those that have had an exceptional faith, right? They were, they were incredibly successful in living out their faith and of walking with God no matter what they faced. And yet that's been the challenge for us as we've gone through this, is saying, what does my faith look like? Am I living up not only to the biblical definition, but am I living out my faith every day? Right? Is my faith at a place where I can be a hall of faith contender? Right? Meaning that will God look at my faith and say, yeah, they again, deserve to be inducted into the hall, right? The, the, will we hear those words from our Savior when we end up there face to face, when our earthly journey ends, Will we hear those words that we all long to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? Is my faith one that's heading me in the right direction to be a hall of faith contender? 
Again, we've looked the last few weeks at, at, at two of the biblical characters described in the Hall of Faith. Right? In week two, we looked at the life of Noah and how he lived out his faith by doing exactly what everything that God asked him to do. And then last week, we looked at the life of Joseph and how he had faced many trials and he had many setbacks in his life. And yet, with everything that he faced, it only strengthened his faith and strengthened his character. And then we, we end up at the end of Hebrews 11, where it just wraps up these last few verses of Hebrews 11 that starts this transition into Hebrews 12, which is what we're going to look at this morning. But, but before we jump into our text for today, I want to just say, the, look at the, the wrap-up of the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, where it says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Again, God has something better in mind for all of us, and the path to find that better plan for our life is through our faith. And that no matter where you are in your faith journey, you are still here, right? You are, you are still alive, which means that God is not done recreating you, and he's not done transforming your heart. There is more journey ahead, and the good news, right, is that we are sure of what we hope for. We know that where we're going, what is a part of that transformation journey, where God is taking us on that journey, is better than where we are right now, right? And that is where our hope truly comes from, right? That God has something better in mind for me and something better in mind for you. And then we come to chapter 12. And chapter 12 then is, is like I said, the, the, the add-on to the faith. And now that we've looked at the hall of faith, now what? And chapter 12 is the call to action for every believer to truly live out your faith no matter what you face, no matter what crisis we find, no matter what struggle we find ourselves in, that the answer is still to dive deeper into our faith and to look to Jesus. So that is going to again gonna be our text for this morning, and that is Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at he- verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have it with you, then uh, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats that you're welcome to use. Again, if you're worshiping with us online, grab your Bible, open up with us to Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4 is going to be our text for this morning. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since we, are, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And we see these four verses, and, and these are action 
packed verses. There is a lot in these. Again, the, truthfully, all of chapter 12 is a call to action, but, but we do not have time to go through the entire chapter, right? Because there is so much in it. There's so much, even in these first four verses, right, that just tell us how do we truly live out our faith. And, and we start, again, with the very first word, the word therefore. And anytime you see that word in Scripture, okay, take note of it, because that means that the, the, the biblical writer is saying, is, is adding on to the point they just made in the earlier text. And, and that's exactly what the author's doing here, right? We, we've gone through the hall of faith in 11, and he says, therefore, now that you understand what biblical faith is, now that you understand how, how these, these people before you had lived out their faith and how God worked through all of their situations, now... He's moving on to the next point, the therefore. Always take note of that word in Scripture. And if you don't know what came right before it, then you need to go back and look. Because the author is building on top of that thought. Now he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Right? And that gives us, again, our, our first action step. As we look at these first uh, even just two verses gives us four action steps of how to truly live out our faith and to, to become a hall of faith contender. And so, again, we're going to look at these four steps that are given to us in these first two verses. The step one okay, that is given to us is in that first phrase, the since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. And again, not only the, those people that are described in the hall of faith, but but also just being surrounded by, by others, uh, you know, all the time through our faith community, through our church, through our family members, through, through other believers, right? And, and that is the first action step we must take to truly live out our faith, and that is to be inspired by others' faith. Hey, be inspired by others. I mean, learn from those that not just have come before you, but also those that are walking beside you, right? As you, as you, strive to live out your faith, right, then, then be inspired by what you see around you. Because right? that, that, that's one of the first kind of feelings, that's one of the first lies the enemy gives us when we face a crisis, right, is that you're facing it alone. Right? Or, that, or that, that nobody understands what you're facing because you're the only one that ever faces it. That's a lie. Right? And that's exactly what, again, the, this first step tells us to do. Right, is to be in, look around you, be inspired by others' faith. Right, let that their faith strengthen yours. The, the first thing to do, again, is, is to review Hebrews 11. Look back to, to those, those biblical characters, those, those people that lived out their faith. Right, again, not just them, but even those that have come before you within your family of faith, right? whether they're in your church or, or in your family or whatever it might be. But, but look back to others that have come before you and, and those that are further along in their faith journey than you are. Right? Look to them and say, what can I glean out of their life and their faith that can encourage me in mine? Again, first we review those that are, are ahead of us in the journey. And then secondly, right, is, is that we need to make sure that um, again, that we journey forward ourselves. 
right? That, that, we, that we are encouraging others around us, that our faith, again, is, is one that is, is an example worthy of following. Because there, the truth is there's always somebody ahead of you in the faith journey, and there's always people behind you in the faith journey. Right? And, and so, again, as my faith, again, being, being one that isn't able to inspire others, again, we... We, we need to make sure that we are not journeying by ourselves. We yet be inspired by others in their faith journey as well. Right? It's exactly earlier, right before we get to the climax of the book, right? and we see one of the, the problems that this church was facing was that people were not attending consistently. Right? They were not being inspired by other people's faith. They were trying to go at it alone. Right? We see in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to be inspired by others' faith, and to do that, right, to, be, to walk with others in their journey is we need to be walking together, right, and we, we need to do that by showing up. Right now, now, again, even in the midst of right now, even if we're not showing up physically, it doesn't mean that we can't be inspired by other people's faith. Right? Even when we gather worship together online, even when we do an online small group, even if you just, again, share with those that you connect with on the phone or whatever it would be, we can still be encouraged. We can still be the church to each other. Right? Even if we're not physically able to gather. Right, and again, and what do we do while we're together, right? It says we spur one another on, right? And we, not only did my journey, but I mean, I'm helping you journey too, right? We spur on towards love and towards good deeds, right? Of living out our faith. And so action step number one is to be inspired by others' faith. And then we move on, though, to the next action step. And the next action step, right, is, is we are told Right, to get rid of anything that hinders or slows down your faith journey. Get rid of anything that hinders or slows down your faith journey. Okay, now, the, 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 again, the phrase that's used here in the verse, it says to strip off every weight that slows you down. Now, the first First part of this is, one, is even to acknowledge that there are things in my life that might be slowing me down. Right? And how much are they slowing me down? Right? Because before I can get rid of it, I need to identify it. I need to be able to recognize that, hey, this is holding me back in my faith. Right, or that my, my journey is, is being slowed down. And, and again, what is that? I need, I need to even ask that question right, of what is hindering me in my journey. Again, the truth is there are many things that can slow you down in your faith journey. Now, the text identifies the most obvious one. Right? I mean, the text just tells us. It says that it's sin. Now, again, the, the author acknowledges that that's not the only thing that slows you down. Right? It says to, again, strip off every weight, right? And that anything that slows you down, especially sin that so easily trips us up, again, it, it calls out that sin and saying, hey, that's the first place you look. Right? Is there sin in your life? 
Okay, because sin will easily trip you up. And it will automatically slow you down because sin, all right, the, the very foundation of the gospel message, of, of the, the, the teachings of Scripture tells us that sin creates a separation between me and God. Right? And if there is sin in my life, then it will create a spiritual void in my soul. It will distance me from God. And, and again, I was created to be in relationship with God, in that close, intimate relationship with Him. And if there is sin, it will automatically create this void. And you know, we know, again, from all the teachings of Scripture in regards to sin, that sin is destructive. Right? And that all sin will steal, kill, and destroy. Right? And that if there is sin in our life, it is slowing you down. Okay? Sin is destructive in every area of your life. Not only in the spiritual area where it creates the spiritual void between you and God, right? but, but it is destructive in every area of your life. It's destructive physically. It's destructive emotionally. It's destructive relationally. Right? Is sin is destructive. Right, but again, if there's blatant sin in your life, and he says, then get rid of it. Right, identify it, confess it, right, turn from it, get rid of it, strip it off. But blatant sin is not the only thing that can hinder our faith journey. Right, if you know, there are many other things that can hinder our faith journey. There are things that maybe, maybe might not be really sinful, but it's also not really helping us. And sometimes those can be attitudes. Sometimes those can be different relationships. They can be situations we find ourselves in, whatever it might be. There's, there's lots of different things that are not blatantly sinful, but yet can slow us down. I tell you, one, especially through this, this recent season, this pandemic and stay-at-home order, right, one of the things that I probably think a lot of us realize, that even I realize, that something that could slow me down is just busyness. I mean, there's nothing necessarily blatantly sinful about that, but, but the truth is, right, is that my life, and I'm sure yours as well, right, went from 90 miles an hour to about five really quickly. Right, and it starts to make you realize some things about your life and about how fast you really were going. Right, and was that holding me back? Right, we are faced with all kinds of gray area choices in our lives. Is it blatantly sinful? No. But it might be holding me back in my faith journey. Right? We see, again, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, where he says, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Right? You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. You know, Paul was addressing a very specific issue with this church in Corinth. Right? He was talking about... Um, the purchasing of meat that had been sacrificed to idols, and, and again, on how it's for some, you know, it was no problem, but for some it was a stumbling block. And, and again, he's working through all this, but this concept, again, applies to a very wide range of things in our lives. Right? And, and Paul addressed and, and identified, and he's saying, yes, through the grace of God, through the, the power of the gospel, we know that, again, that, that anything is, is permissible. Right? That it's covered by God's grace, but, but is, it, is it helping you? 
right? And, and Paul was encouraging them, and therefore we need to take the same advice to make sure that we are asking the right questions in our life. Because, again, the right question might not be, is it sinful? The right question should be, is it good for me? Is it helping me in my faith and to, to, to reach the goals that I have in my life and, and to, to reach everything that God needs me to do? Not necessarily is it sinful, but is it good for me? Is it benefiting my faith? And not only is it good for me, but also is it good for others? Because it might not be holding me back, but maybe my actions might be discouraging to somebody else in their faith. And if that's true, then it's better for me to stop that. If I'm truly going to live out the gospel message, which is to love God with everything I have and love others as I love myself. Right? And sometimes my lifestyle choices not only are going to benefit my faith journey, but it might benefit someone else's faith journey as well. And it's still worth it. Again, Paul encourages us to be asking the right questions. Is it helping my faith journey? Is it helping other people in theirs? Is it helping other people find Christ for the first time? Or is it discouraging people away from God? We need to be asking the right questions. Which leads us then to the next action step, which is exactly where, again, the the text takes us, which is the next thing is, is to accomplish everything that God needs you to do. Okay, so again, as we... We look at these steps, right? The, the first step, right, is to be inspired by others' faith. The step two is to strip off anything that's, that's holding me back. And then, and then third, I need to, to make sure that I'm accomplishing everything that God needs me to do. Just as the text tells us, he says, to run with endurance the race God has set before us. We all have a race that God has given us to run. Right? You have a purpose for your life. God has a job he needs you to do. We all have a race set in front of us. And the first question, right, is make sure that I'm running the right race. Right? Am I doing what God is asking me to do? Right? Is God directing my path? Is he directing, you know, my direction in life? Or am I still holding on to that? Right? Am I accomplishing everything that God wants me to do? Is he the one directing my path, first and foremost? Right? But then also, even if I know what I'm doing, am I living it out? Right? Am I putting my faith to action? If we see, again, this, this, this race, we all have a very specific race that God has called us to in our lives, but, but yet we, we can see a very, very general guidelines right, that God gives all believers. They would start us in the right direction, right? The, the first, probably most famous guideline for all of us, for the race we have put in front of us, is when Jesus was challenged about the commandments and saying, how, how do we live these out, right? And yet Jesus comes back with only two. He says, if you do these two things, you're going to be headed in the right direction. Okay, and we see this in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, where Jesus replied, he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. His is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Right? Jesus was instructing them. He says, hey, this is, how, this is how you know. Just do these two things. If you do these two things, you're heading in the right direction. 
right? And this will get your faith moving, right? And, and, and accomplishing the race, you're running the right race if you're doing these two things. And then as we start moving, then again, God gives us these little course corrections, right? And says that, so again, we start with saying, if I'm accomplishing everything God needs me to do, if I'm running the right race, then these two things will be true in my life. Right? Am I loving God with everything I have? Right? Which means that I'm getting closer to him every day. Okay? That, that I, I am moving again and, and transforming in my own faith. Right? And, and am I not just thinking about myself, but thinking of others? And as I look at those things, if those two things are true in my life and in my faith, then I am moving in the right direction. And that God will work out the rest of the details. Again, as we look at these two things, these, are, these can be summed up into two very churchy words, ones that we throw out all the time. Right? Is Jesus here is describing discipleship and evangelism. Again, discipleship, am I growing in my own faith? Right? Am I doing everything that God needs me to do to, to move forward in my journey, to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today? And yet, am I also thinking of others? Am I sharing the truth of God with others, which is, again, the fancy churchy word for sharing God and his love to the world is evangelism. Discipleship and evangelism, are we doing those in our life? Because every believer is called to discipleship and to evangelism. Right? Am I living those out in my life? If I am, I'm living in the right direction. The other thing we learn about this phrase, right, is that, is that this race is not a sprint. It is a marathon. Right? We are not going to get there quickly. Because right? again, we are told to run with endurance. You do not need endurance in a sprint race. Right? In, in a sprint race, it's all you have for a very short amount of time. Right? And yet, we need endurance to run the race that God has put in front of us, right? Which means that this is a long race, right? We got to keep going. Even when it gets tough, keep pressing on. Again, it's not going to happen quickly. We are in, our faith journey is a marathon, not a sprint. We see, again, Paul speaks to this concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, where he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. And they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an, an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Again, we think about the race that God has put in front of us. Right? If I'm accomplishing everything he needs me to do, again, am, am I doing it on purpose? Am I making progress in what I'm doing in my life? Again, this, the NLT version says I'm not just shadow boxing. Yeah, I like the NIV version of this verse a little better. Okay, that phrase it uses, it says, I, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Again, think about that, that picture, right, of, of shadow boxing, of a boxer beating the air. The, this concept was made very famous by Muhammad Ali. If you remember, one of, arguably one of the best boxers of all time, and there's some very famous pictures of him shadow boxing. Okay, now, uh, is shadow boxing or, or a boxer beating the air, okay, is, it's a very common thing with boxers, okay, and it's a part of their training. Okay, what shadow boxing is used, though, it's mainly used to prepare their muscles before the, person, um, before the person engages in a stronger physical activity. It is a warm-up. 
Right? It's literally them going through the motions of punching and of dodging and, and doing all of these things without an opponent. Right? It's just, it, again, it doesn't really accomplish a lot other than just warming up their muscles. Again, it's a regular part of their workout routine, but it doesn't accomplish very much. It's literally just a warm-up for the real activity that's going to follow. And you think about, as the scripture tells us, don't be shadow boxing in your faith. Okay, what is the, what it, how, does, how does that apply to our faith journey? Again, go back to discipleship and evangelism. Again, because it's very easy to fall into discipleship and evangelism where we're literally just shadow boxing. But we're, we can just go through the motions. Right? And, and, we can, and it's, it's meant right, to be a warm-up for the real action, and yet we never move to the next step. Right? If we're shadow boxing in our faith, right, it means that, that we just slip into just beating the air. We feel like we're doing something, but we really aren't accomplishing anything other than probably just getting tired. Right? In fact, if, it, if, a, if a boxer stays in the war routine for too long, they will get tired. It will wear you out, right? but you've accomplished nothing. And think about how many times Again, in your faith journey, have you felt worn out in doing lots of things and yet realizing, I'm incredibly tired, but I've made no progress? Again, when we think about in discipleship, to evaluate, again, am I shadow boxing in, in my faith when it comes to my discipleship? Is my faith really growing? Am I being transformed to be more like Christ? Am I moving forward? Do I see practical results in, in my mind, in my heart, and in my life? Is my faith changing the way that I think? If it's not, then you might be shadow boxing. You might be showing up, you might be doing a lot of things, but if it's not producing anything in your life, not moving forward in your journey, in your transformation, of your heart and your mind, then you might be shadow boxing. Think about evangelism. Are you helping other people find Christ? Are you planting seeds in their life? Are you showing them the love of Jesus through your actions and through your attitude? Are you truly showing other people who Christ is by your conversation and by the way you interact with them? Are you actively praying for people that you don't know if they know Christ or not? Are you inviting them to come with you to church or to watch with you online? Are, are, are you sharing you know, religious things through your social media feeds and, and, and helping God's kingdom expand? Right, have you seen any practical results of your evangelism effort? Is anyone else closer to Christ because of you? If not, you might be shadow boxing when it comes to evangelism. Right? And when we think about these challenges and saying, for me to be a hall of faith contender, I have to live my faith out. I got to run the race that God has put in front of me. And I need to run it with endurance. And I need to take new ground. Take new ground in my own journey as well as help others move closer to Christ as well. 
because it is not my job to save anybody because I can't save anybody and neither can you. I don't have that power. That's God's job, right? But the race that God has put in front of me and the race he's put in front of you is to help God accomplish that task, is to move people closer to him. And that starts with me in my own heart and my own faith and in my helping somebody else to do that as well. My responsibility is to be true to the race that God has given me to run. And I leave the results up to God. Again, I don't have to save anybody, right? God saves them. Their salvation is between them and God, right? But God has called me to point them to Christ, to share Christ with them, to to, to show them what it means to live out an active faith. As we look at these action steps, we, we get then to, to the, the first phrase of verse 2, which gets us to our last action step. Okay, and that is to look to Jesus no matter what. No matter what I face, no matter what struggle I come up against, no, no matter what I need to even to admit to myself about my own faith journey. Right, the answer to every crisis is Jesus. Look to Jesus no matter what. Again, are, are these action steps easy? No, they're absolutely very difficult. Right, which is exactly why, again, the author tells us, the very first phrase of verse 2, he says, we do this, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because these are not easy things to do, right? If I try to do them on my own power, then I will fail. But no matter what I face in life, right, the, the answer is to dive deeper into my faith. Right, to keep my eyes on Jesus. Because he is the prime example of our faith. He is our example to follow. All right, as we say in our core values, he is the destination of our journey. Right, Jesus Christ. And just as the text tells us, right, he starts by initiating our faith. It says Jesus initiates our faith. It is by him we are saved. Right, it's by him being sent to this earth, living a sinless life, dying on the cross, rising again on the third day to pay for our sin debt to take away that spiritual void that is created and to create that, that, that cross bridge for us to get to God. Right? He has initiated our faith. And in fact, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you never accepted him as your life, in fact, is God is trying to initiate your faith. He is pursuing you so you will find a saving knowledge of him. But will you allow him into your life? Will you open up your heart and your mind him and accept his grace and forgiveness, right, so that you can join the journey of faith and know you are saved. But not only does Jesus initiate our faith, but then again, the text tells us that Jesus also perfects our faith, right, which means the fact that we are still here, right, we are not standing in front of Jesus at the gates of heaven, right, which means that our journey is not over, and that the, the transformation and the perfection of our faith is not complete. Right? Just as, again, at the end of chapter 11 tells us that God has something better in mind for us. We have more growing 
to do, Jesus not only initiates our faith, right, but he perfects our faith. And as we continue to walk with him, our hearts and our minds will be transformed to be more like him. In Hebrews 13, verses 8 and 9, tell us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Because your strength comes from God's What is the answer to every crisis we face? Jesus. Is this world changing around us? Absolutely. Right? We, we, we don't understand that point any more than we, than we ever have before today because we see our world is changing around us so rapidly. But yet Jesus is the same. He is solid. He is the rock we are supposed to build our lives on. And know that we can always take new ground if we're running the race he's put in front of us. Right? Because just as we saw last week, right, we cannot put our faith in anything other than God. We can't put it in a person. We can't put it in a church. We can't put it in an organization. We can't put it in a government. We can't put it in anything other than God, because all of those things are human and are flawed. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again, Hebrews was written to a church that was in crisis. And not only is the message of Hebrews incredibly timely for us right now, but so is the answer that it presents. Because the answer is not just some cliche statement, but it is the absolute truth. Turn to Jesus every day. Live out your faith. Take new ground in your discipleship, in your evangelism. Again, run with purpose in every step. Which brings me to my final thought for this series, and that is this. Right, Hebrews gives the definitive answer to any crisis we face. Dive deeper into your faith. So what steps do you need to take in your journey to be a hall of faith contender? Again, maybe that step is receiving Christ as your Savior for the first time. Right, maybe that step is, is rededicating your life and saying, God, I've been going down the wrong path. I, I haven't been pursuing you in my life, in my discipleship, or in my evangelism. I haven't been living out that. I've been shadow boxing in my faith. Right? Confess that to him. Right? Maybe the next step in your journey is literally just celebrating the fact that you've been taking new ground and just continue on to that path. Again, I don't know what your next step is, but, but I hope you do. And if you don't, ask God. 